Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Maybe Next Year, a podcast that sounds much better than the first time we tried to record this. My name is Frank. I'm Scott. I'm Paul, but the birds are a flutter for this they, podcast. I can hear the beautiful sound of the birds. Yes, it's uh, it's Cicada Town here in Virginia. Uh, in in I wouldn't call it Southern Virginia, but not as Northern Northern Virginia as as we we are sometimes. Um, we are also in the throes of spring in football. We have OTAs and NBAs and NHLs and number one draft picks overall. If you're a Sabres fan. Um, thankfully, I, I am now a Toronto Maple Leaf, Leafs fan, and I can just wallow in the, that terrible nonsense. Um, but we're here to talk about football. Um, and the Bills have been have been exploring the idea of playing football later this year. Um, and in doing so, they have done some practicing of the sport, and they have done some familiarization of the sport with their newer players. And I believe that they have done some strategization as to how best win this sport. And for more on that topic, I'm going to start with Paul. Paul, I'd like for you to open up the discussion on where we are in the football season, what we should think of it, and um, anything uh, as relates to Jean-Paul Sartre. Okay. Uh, I'm going to, I'm probably going to bag it on that last one. We'll see how it goes though. Uh, I will talk football strategy, the meaning of OTAs, which uh, I don't want to say they are certainly not meaningless, but we have to take them with a grain of salt. And so going on with with my impressions so far, uh, one of the biggest notable things is we've had a few no-shows that we might not necessarily expect. How seriously we should weigh those is a question. You know, the the biggest concern I've heard from fans is uh, Stardutalele's non-attendance, then of course, a video circulates on Twitter, may or may not have been planned of him doing these random drills and looking to be in really good shape. But that is still the one, there were two that concerned me. I think Devin Singletary, but he only missed week one. So he's he's come back. So I'm fine with him being there. Uh, but Star, I kind of think, you know, you, you had a, a year where you opted out. I would rather have you there at practice just trying to get up to speed with, with everything. But I recognize he's a veteran. He probably doesn't. Needed too much, but I feel like they're giving him so much money. Uh, you know, kind of the least he could do after uh, his year away, which was for totally understandable reasons, of course. On performance itself, um, from what I gather, uh, the OTAs, what a lot of teams are doing this year and what they've done in recent years more, is they just start experimenting with stuff. They're putting stuff in their playbook offensively and defensively that may, they may not use. We've seen the Bills run a few plays on the offensive side of the ball and the parts available to track to, uh, and the practices available to the press that we haven't seen them do in the past. And so I think they're just kind of fooling around and saying, okay, the league is going to catch up to a little bit of what we did last year. We've added a piece to Emmanuel Sanders, that maybe is slightly better than the piece we lost in John Brown, but we're otherwise we're the same offensive identity right now. And let's, let's, let's try and do some new things and see if they stick. So, you know, I haven't heard too much on the performance end. I heard Jake Fromm has not looked great, but considering he has not practiced full on with the team in ever, maybe, right? Because there wasn't really training camp in the true sense last year. And he was the quarterback who was isolated from the rest of the team last year in case of emergency. So I'm not too worried about him looking bad. And if he makes a team and Davis Webb doesn't or vice versa, shouldn't really matter. 
you know, we're happy that Trubisky's there and participating, and he seems to be uh, happy to be there and happy with his role and understanding of his role. And, you know, we did, Devin Singletary did drop a screen pass in practice, so that's going to bring up some ugly memories for Frank. Uh, well, for all of us, I'm sure, especially for Frank. Well, now is the time to drop them. Exactly. It's his OTA. It's the time to screw around. So, uh, you know, I think it's a good sign that they've gotten so many people into camp. Uh, I think it's a good sign that the new additions have all commented on how it's a different culture than they expected, but even better in a lot of ways than they felt going in and that they're looking forward to winning. And the fact that they've, you know, gotten such high attendance and, you know, everyone seems to be in good spirits. We have no controversies. And believe me, when I went through this day in Bill's headlines, uh, there were hit and runs. There were people being arrested for drag racing. Uh, it was just not, uh, it's simply not a good time for the Bills. And right now it seems to be a good time for the Bills. So I'm going to count my uh, count my blessings and say I'm, I'm happy with how things are going so far. Awesome. I, I, okay, I was going to say, I, I have a guess as, the, as to the hit and run. I'm trying to remember the drag racing. Um, I'd like to turn it over to Scott briefly. And I, I think that, Scott, we should really talk about Star Latule because I think that he's certainly the the juiciest bit of player information coming out of OTAs, especially with uh, McDermott using the word disappointing that he wasn't there. But before we do that, Scott, are are you hearing our old friend Zool when Paul talks? You know, uh, not not a ton of it. I'm not I'm not hearing it. I, I it's hear not a very, big Zool, right? Yeah. Okay. It's not it's not um, you know he's not coming through the refrigerator right now. Like he's, yeah. Okay. He's, Still deep in the, the other dimension. Okay. So we can try to hang me up and reconnect me. For for our longtime listeners, I'm almost always on my laptop and today I am on my phone. So I any any problems with this pod, entirely on me. I'm taking if you so Paul, if you hit the red hang up button and then you'll have an option to join back in. Um mm-hmm. give that a try. It's not that bad, but it is slightly there. And I thought I think we should just acknowledge that in case people can hear I who know you never know sometimes we hear these things and they never show up on the audio I'd um, also say Frank if you want to go ahead and exterminate all the small birds that are flying yeah I'm gonna go inside I guess because I, I'm because thinking because the it's, birds are quite literally you know not part of the show yeah um, no they they apparently it is it is much louder canceled. to you than yeah okay so I'm gonna mute and you go ahead talk about Starla Tulele yes I'll talk and, about Starla Tulele I think so for me like Star not being there is a little disconcerting because obviously like we kind of made a huge bet on star um obviously like a couple years ago i mean it was a, a huge bet but like it was a big bet and then last year you know with respect you know he he, he sat the year out everyone had a right to do that that was the deal um you know had to think about his family his health i got all that that's fine and then the theory was is that now he's coming back a year older and the contract gets pushed down a lot and now we now we really do need him and the team is in a great spot and he should be excited to come back and work with a, a set of winners. He wasn't injured last season. He was just sitting out. Mm-hmm. So there's really no reason for him not to A, be in shape and B, like ready to get on the field with his teammates. So yeah. like it's a little disconcerting that he's just kind of like, eh, I'll, I'll get there when I get there. There's um, a little couch potato feel to it. You know, it's kind of they, they say he's in good shape, but I Scott, I. I can't tell you if he's in good shape or not. No one. Yeah. Like all of these things are all well manicured and kind of designed to be publicly consumed. So a Twitter video doesn't tell me anything. Um, You know, McDermott's statement doesn't really tell me anything 
McDermott might actually not even really care that much. McDermott may be sending a message to the rest of the team that he doesn't think it's acceptable to them. And he, he may have talked to Star and be like, hey, I understand why you're doing it, but I'm going to have to call you disappointing just because I, I got other guys in the room who are expecting me to hold you accountable. So, you know, we don't know what's going on in general. But, the, the, but yeah, the, the, him not being there, it is, it is, it is kind of um, it's a little concerning that he doesn't seem to be raring to go. Um, I'll also say very briefly, I think the, the one thing I was concerned about, obviously coming out of the draft, was um, the second cornerback position. Sounds like Dane Jackson's doing well, so that's good. But obviously all the reports out of training camp or out of OTAs are like censored by the Bills. So yeah. I'll, I'll be realistic. Like He broke up one pass from Stefan Diggs. It does not do a play-by-play of every time that Dane Jackson was on the field. And if he got roasted the seven times after that, that doesn't really, you know, we wouldn't know. But hopefully that's that's representative sample. Yeah. Right, that would... If defense takes once, you probably uh, are at least on the right path. Because a lot of guys can't even do that once. Mm. Mm. Okay, I think that um, those are good thoughts. And I need to now pull up the... Now that I'm in a much quieter space in my house, and um, I need, I, I'm sort of distracted by the quiet. Uh, for the first time in a long time, guys, I, I have a wife and a daughter and two daughters that have just left the house, and I'm sitting quietly wow. in the house by myself. Wow. Drink it in. Do you want to go? Do you want to? I, I, I want to nap so bad right now, but I, I'm not going to. I'm going to stick oh, it out for the maybe next year crew for sure. Um, MNY Nation, you're going to get my my full thoughts and beliefs on this. Um, I think that I think that you both have nailed it uh, directly and greatly. I think the only thing I want to add to OTAs, to me, the the feel of this is always like like orientation, like when you start a new school or something or work, and nobody really expects you to do very much the first day, and it'd probably be stupid to expect you to do very much the first day. Um, but also, you don't get a lot accomplished the first day. You're just sort of making sure you know where the cafeteria is and, you know, the IT guy comes and gets your computer all set up. And that's kind of what it is. It's like, okay, Stefan Diggs, go out there. Hey, Jake Fromm, that's where the field is. Uh, let me see. You remember what a football is. Can you throw it to that guy? Awesome. Okay. No, I know it was a little off. Just that's good enough for today. Why don't you guys pack it in? We're going to have a happy hour after work and uh we'll we'll come back tomorrow and we'll continue with the orientation and i think that that's good and i'm excited and it's definitely annoying i would i think it's annoying as the word i'm gonna we were playing the pti what word is it um it's annoying that starla tule is not there but ultimately um if if i can't if, if i'm here to say that if i'm here to say that like whoever's there can't really prove me proved to me that they're ready for the season, then I, I suppose I have to by default accept that I can't really rule out Starla Tule as being good this year. But Scott is right. The defensive tackle is a is a position that that needs some that needs some stuff because that D line, they've definitely invested in the D line and that unit needs to show up this year. Um and hopefully they will. Um there has been a bevy of changes uh, and updates to the uh, vaccine protocol uh, by the NFL and the Buffalo Bills. So I'm going to kind of, this is from ESPN on May 26th. I think it might have even changed since then. But largely what we're talking about here is players and the and the, and the league have agreed that vaccinated players um, are basically going to be treated 
as if there isn't a pandemic. You will not have to keep distance from players. You will be able to do things when you're out and about and in your normal life. Um, you won't have to get tested every day. There is a variety of perks, I think you would call it. Now, a, a variety of normalcy, um, masquerading as perks, if I am a, if I am a conspiracy theorist, um, to people who have been vaccinated. And, and that is in part because the, the players have want that and feel entitled to it. And in part, it is because they want to incentivize people to get vaccinated. Um, and if there is one thing that I have found disappointing about the Bills this offseason is that for some reason, we seem to be the fulcrum point of NFL vaccination talk um, because we have a handful of players that are sort of publicly doubting and choosing not to be vaccinated. We have some wives and girlfriends that have gotten in on the mix. Um, and 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 not strangely and weirdly, but, you know, the front office is all about, like, please get vaccinated. And we have players that are sort of not as interested as I as I personally would hope them to be. But from the distraction, quote unquote, distraction standpoint that NFL coaches and players like to talk about, um, they've managed to talk about it a bit. And so every NFL story about the vaccine, I haven't read any stories about other teams and vaccines this year. Um, and I'm going to start with Scott on this. Scott, feel free to correct me if you've heard another story about teams and vaccines. But I feel like every story about the NFL vaccination policy has been like, and Josh Allen, Cole Beasley and Jordan Poyer's wife are all um, apparently on the QAnon message board. I think that's that's taking it. That's. Out that a was that was that was comedic exaggeration, and I okay. apologize. But they have all been sort of openly skeptical, skeptical, of, yes. of both yes. the policy and vaccines. And I will let you yes. you talk from no, that. and and I am fully. I got my second shot yesterday. I think everyone should get the vaccine. I, I that is you know medically able to do so. Um, I I don't think that I I am. I know in the, there is a, a pass in the United States and in other countries of mandatory vaccination. I think um, that kind of thing would probably not get us to where we want to go. I think you'd probably end up with a lot of people um, that probably wouldn't go over too well. And I don't think it's going to go over too well if they do it in the NFL, um, which is why they're not, obviously. Um, so, yeah, it, it's not great to have this kind of be um, a bit of a, a ball and chain. I'm not as worried about the the, the impacts on the team day to day, because obviously they were able to get to the AFC championship game last season when no one could do any kind of meetings together or a lot of the meetings were done over resume and, and, and practices were all very kind of separated and segregated. So, so the, the impact on the, the team uh, football operations part is a little less concerning. Um, I think it is going to be, it's a little, it's a little tough. I mean, I, I I guess in the in the grand scheme of things, there are a number of things that a head coach asks of his NFL players to do. Um, and I think the head coach and the, the management are accustomed to not having all of those things followed, um, whether it's don't go out at night, whether it's don't drag race, whether it's don't <laughs> put a put a put a, you know, don't get high with a gas mask and a bong like you're not a your dad scott you're not uh, our dad yeah and it's it's odd because it 
in some way, this almost ends up in that category of really you're you're hurting yourself and you have the the potential to hurt the team as well by either you not being there or you being involved in something that could complicate things for other people. Um, and obviously, obviously, if if there was someone on the bills who had a pre-existing condition that they were, you know, they couldn't get vaccinated for whatever reason, that would be even more concerning on some level. Because that's almost to the point of recklessness and not getting vaccinated. But um, it is it is very delicate. And I think McDermott's obviously going to try and push it. But I'm sure McDermott pushes Star Latula to show up at camp. What does he do when he doesn't show up? He calls it disappointing. Camp goes on. You know, Star Latula is going to be probably in the starting lineup on opening day. So. It's a delicate I, dance, right? Because Star Latule is probably still your best defensive tackle. So, you know, are you going to like bash him in the in the public or, you know, it's a hard it's a hard thing. Like you said, you can't um, and I hate to I didn't mean to cut you off, but I'm trying to add to the conversation mm-hmm. and then pitch to Paul. And I, we might even take another beat on this. But it is a delicate balance for being in McDermott to sort of push for these things. And they they the, both the NFL and the team have had open conversations and they have this open door educational policy for people like, you know, Josh Allen keeps saying he wants to learn more about the vaccine. I I don't know what else you need to know about the vaccine other than 150 million people in this country alone have had them. And there's been no adverse side effects um, that, that are of note or can be reported other than you kind of feel like shit for a day. Um, you know, we're, we're a three for three on this podcast, not counting wives and, and eventually children. Um, and I don't want to turn this conversation into a um, I will say it. I think everybody should be vaccinated, too. I tend to be a science person and I and I don't like how this has become a, a, a liberal, a liberal and conservative dog whistle. I'm not just going to pin this on, you know, one political party. It's become a dog whistle and we've allowed it to become a political uh, excuse the pun football, but Paul, let me, let me, let me kind of start to segue to you and ask you this question. Often we hear players talk about willing to do anything for a team and Josh Allen will go to a specialized coach to learn how to throw a football. Do you think that it is just not presented to them in the same way? Like, by the way, if you get this vaccine, you are much more likely to stay healthy ergo win a fucking Super Bowl is or or do you think that there is something else at play or do you not want to comment on that and you just want to talk about um, the original vaccine question? I, I, I'm i fascinated by this question. I think it's the most interesting question the Bills have in the offseason. And if I if I if I was going to pick a candidate for Bill Z way to not get it done this year, it might be outspoken athletes get COVID late in the season. You know, it might be like, gosh, in December, we're talking about these numbskulls that didn't get a goddamn vaccine. Uh, And I really hope that's not the case, not just from a Super Bowl perspective, but from I never want to wish anybody ill. I'll stop talking now, Paul. Please pick it up from there. Yeah, and I'm I'm happy to address this and and pleased to do so. The I, I do wonder if people just haven't talk to the players who are skeptical in a way that's going to really get through to them, that this is not a, a matter of simply individual choice. It's a matter of public health. And to, to where you were leading into, Frank, I, I worry about that late season scenario too, where it's okay, well, 
If you don't want to get the vaccine, which has been um, approved by the U.S. Food Drug Administration for emergency authorization usage, all three of them, we have not seen people dying as a consequence of these vaccines. We have not seen uh, adverse long-term side effects on anything resembling a consistent basis with these vaccines. I would love if someone would come in and talk to the team about a gentleman named Miles Garrett, one of the most dominant defensive ends in the game, who was it not as good last year and said all of his strength had been sapped from having coronavirus. So you are looking at scenarios where if you choose not to get the vaccine, one, you could end up you know, knocking yourself out of a playoff game or the Super Bowl, two, knocking a, a vaccinated team out of the playoff game or the Super Bowl, recognizing that the vaccine, while it will protect you against serious cases, is 95% effective overall, you know, and means that one out of every 20 might end up getting an asymptomatic case. Uh, and now they've been ruled out because you've given them the, the virus. So that is also something that, that comes into to play. And, you know, third, you just kind of need to, you know, care about your own, uh, you know, health and your own performance and well-being. What if you get it and you are not the player you you could be all season, like we saw with Miles Garrett last year, because of what that did to him. By all means, a young, fit, healthy man who, for some reason, uh, you know, who was, I should say for some reason, we know the exact reason, he was just never the same uh, last season as a result of having COVID-19. Uh, you are right, Frank. I think when you, you could add, um, sorry, I think you could add Cam Newton to that list. And Bill Belichick certainly seems willing to bet that after a year's rest, Cam Newton's going to play better. But, you know, he, he certainly wasn't the same player in the second half of the season as the first. Right. He was effective in at the very beginning. He was effective in the first game against the Bills. We tend to remember disaster he was on Monday night toward the end of the year, but he was, he was good in that. He almost, if he had, if it weren't for Justin Zimmer, uh, that, that winning streak by the Patriots over the Bills would have been extended at this one. So yeah, it's something that has that serious effect. And so if you're a player, you think I am doing harm to my team by not getting vaccinated. And if you're saying, okay, well then why aren't I getting vaccinated? My reasons must be really strong, but they're not really strong. We're not seeing you know, consequences of this. I am not, to my knowledge, a 5G tower right now. I am not transmitting any signals from my body. I am not magnetic. Uh, those random conspiracy theories do no good at all. They should never be retweeted by Instagram models who are married to NFL players or anyone in any occupation. See, so, you say that, Paul, but it, for some reason you are having a bit of an echo today. So uh, it could be a that. Buzzing, yeah, it also, could be. You feel weaker. I feel yeah. like my vital energies are being drained as Paul. Yeah, I personally, I personally, just so you guys know, um, have a sudden urge to both buy more things and change my gender. I don't know. And I'm yeah. thinking that it's probably the shot. Uh, no, look, we we are not public health experts. I, I think that there are very. If, if this is a different kind of thing then 
I don't know. I guess I feel this way about the flu shot for football players, too. Like, I don't think anybody should be getting, like, the flu, or if they do get the flu, they should say, well, I got the shot, and I guess I got it anyway. I, I guess if you're a guy on the football team that's willing to do, quote-unquote, anything for your, your brothers and your family and all this shit, then fucking put a needle in your ass and stop. If I could be not PC, stop being such a fucking pussy about it. Just do it, okay? It's not going to kill you. It hasn't killed anybody else. Just do it, all right? To that point, Frank, the last time, and us older Bills fans might remember this, last time the Bills made the division around the playoffs before this year, they lost to Pittsburgh in 95 because Bruce Smith was out with the flu because he did not get his flu shot in the preseason, and that caused quite the, the uproar at the time. My mother and her sister in the 50s in the UK were dragged to the center where they were giving polio shots as soon as they were allowed to get them. I don't know, man. It's like all sorts of generations have had to do this. I understand it's scary and we don't know all the risks and 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 it's a lot of stuff. But I, I think that like it's the data bears it out that like it's a lot safer to get this stuff than it is to risk not. And God bless them. I hope that they, they stay healthy and, and not just from a football perspective. I, I wish this would just disappear off the face of the earth tomorrow. But – I don't know. Scott, if you would like to take one more beat onto this, you're entitled to because I, we have we have protracted this conversation um, and I'm a little disappointed in the idea that we're probably not done with it. I, I don't think that this is going away. I think this is going to be a bill story. So if you want another beat on it, uh, you're welcome. Otherwise, I encourage you to uh, turn to our contract session and talk about Greg Rousseau, uh, Ferguson, Diggs, restructure and other uh, I, think, things. I think my last point on the, the vaccine thing is I think I think in terms of the coverage and the news, I think we'll know a lot more in training camp because by training camp, it should be pretty clear. I would assume that there will be guys making the the unvaccinated players do things differently somehow. Yeah, um, it'll be more evident and that'll be on other teams. And, and, and so it'll be more apparent, like whether the bills are just the most public problem because everyone knows Cole Beasley and Josh Allen and Jordan Poyer's wife, or whether there's actually a lot of other teams like that. So we'll we'll kind of get a sense of that as, as the season goes on. I, I I will only say quickly, I, I had thought about that with Jordan Poyer, who decided he wasn't going to talk about vaccination status. In baseball, people end up on the COVID list. They, they, they won't tell you who has COVID, but they all end up on the, the, the special, you know, um, I, I may have COVID list. And so we're all going to find out sooner or later. You cannot talk about it, but... When Josh Allen is not allowed to leave for vacation during the bye week because he's, you know, not vaccinated, we're all going to know. Um, but please, we've had a we, uh, Greg Rousseau signed his contract, Scott. Um, we 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 extended the best long snapper in the game. Stefan Diggs had his contract restructured. The Bills are spending money and saving money and turning upside down. Um, for today, you are our capologist. Tell us what this all means. And how you feel? I mean, I, I think, I mean, the Diggs restructuring is big. I mean, it's, it's a little confusing. I mean, I guess some of it is the kind of the post-June 1, which actually kind of happens as soon as the draft is over. They can start kind of figuring out what, what slots money are available and when you can consolidate contracts and convert things like bonuses into regular salary or vice versa, however it is that saves you the money. Um, those things can happen. So it's a, it's, I mean, I guess the point now is obviously we have a little more cash in the bank now going into the season to make a run at some of the kind of free agents who are still out there or 
make a trade for a future pick where we can get somebody this year who can help for a, a pick down the road or something like that. Um, you know, I was reading Barnwell's column the other day. He flew out both making another run at Zach Ertz to kind of smooth out the tight end position, um, getting Kwan short, which, you know, if you want to get a fire under Star Latule, bring in another former Carolina Panther defensive tackle. He's, he's destined for Buffalo, right? Um, you know, so those are both kind of <laughs> options to to make the team better. I hope that they can do, like, that's the thing, like, it only matters to get the cap room if you use it, right? That, that's the thing. Um, otherwise, it's all just kind of being showing off how smart he is. So, um, you know, I, I get that, that things don't always work out, but, uh, again, no one's going to, no one's going to care that you tried really hard to get Zach Ertz or Quan Short at the end of the season if you don't make if you don't make the Super Bowl. All they're going to care is the team wasn't good enough. So, um, yeah. So I yes, good good that they did it. It's just the first step. Do you have a preference on how they spend that money? I mean, yeah. I mean, it's you know, is Sherman still out there? I haven't I haven't looked. Who's Richard still Sherman. Let me see. I'll look him up now. Okay. So I mean, he's somebody. I think who's still got a kind of... Um, I have to say he broke that guy's leg that used to kick for us. <laughs> and he's kind of a dick. He is kind of a dick. Okay. Um, I, think, I think if you sign him, he has to win a Super Bowl. I I agree. I mean, I think that's the theory, right? Um, Currently a free agent, Richard Sherman. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, you know, that second corner position still a little worried about. I mean, again, obviously I'm not going to trade too much on one good OTA report from, uh, you know, from... Yeah. from a censored kind of media source. Um, so it's, you know, something on the, the second, second corner would be good. Um, yeah. I mean, tight end is a little worrisome, but I'm still not super worried there. Um, I think, I think linebacker, I'm still a little worried about. I mean, like is Klein coming back? Klein's probably coming back, right? EJ Klein. I'm trying to remember who's yes, on the yes. bills. He's still under contract. He's still under contract. Yeah. Yes. Because well, I mean, he, he wasn't terrible, but I mean, he's getting a little older too. So I think I think there's there's room for improvement there. Um, you know, maybe yeah. So I, I'd say there's a couple. Those are the two kind of defensive positions I still think we could make a run at. And then yeah, defensive defensive tackle honestly is probably more of a need right now. But admittedly, at this point, um, it's going to have to be a pretty big signing to crack the the what is already a. Um, a over-resourced defensive line at this point. So that's that's where I'll stop. Well well done. Over-resourced is a great way to put it because it's not like it's great. It's just there's a lot of people there. Um, Paul, would you care to, to chime in on any of these moves and or uh, free agents? How would you like to spend the Bills' money? That is a, a good question. Uh by the way, I'm in the process of trying to transition from my phone to my laptop, so standing by for that. Uh, if that doesn't happen, I'll just run through these. I think what's curious about the Diggs restructure, which as Scott mentioned is big, is the fact that it frees up money for this year, but it's pushing, what, $3.9 million a year, I think, each of the next two years, or $2.9 million a year for the next two, two years. So you're taking up Josh Allen franchise quarterback money space with mm -hmm. this Move. So they're obviously, yeah, I think Bean is kind of banking on the cap being expanded in coming seasons. So as a result of that, he's thinking he can get away with, um, you know, pushing some of Diggs' money away. But the only reason he would do this is because you need more money up front. They've signed 
Greg Rousseau to the expected deal of what, four years, 11 point something million. So like less than 3 million a year. They've signed all of their draftees except one. So maybe they were just doing the restructure to free up some of the cap uh, in case they need it for emergencies during the season. But I feel like they freed up more than they would need for emergency during the season type of usage based on who they would be signing off the street during the season. So it is a confusing move to me why they would do that unless they are about to do something that we don't understand. Um, but yeah, you guys talked about Sherman. Uh, the name everyone throws around now is Zach Ertz. I'm not necessarily crazy about that move, but what do I know if he helps the team now and you know he, he can make a difference going forward, then then yeah, uh, bring him in. I don't even need, it doesn't even need to be a name I know. It could be a, a defensive tackle because you don't, we've talked about Star. We haven't talked much about the fact that Harrison Phillips was a healthy scratch throughout several weeks last year, and they're not really strong at one technique right now. Uh, we've talked about, you know, we've talked about cornerback with Sherman. You know, um, you could always look for more uh, help along the, the interior offensive line. You know, I think that's a place where they're probably depending on draft picks, but maybe if they're going for a Super Bowl this year, they could use a little more strength in that department. So I'm curious to see where they go. And then, yeah, Ferguson, great long snapper under cotton. Now you're going to have your, uh, hopefully with assuming Mass Hawk doesn't uh, blow up, you're going to have a few years with the same kicker, punter, and um, long snapper, who if they just maintain the performances they've done in recent years, uh, we're going to be absolutely fine. So yeah. So if that case just just maintain being the most prolific kicker in bill's history no big deal just keep doing yes. that just keep every year setting the record for most points by a mm-hmm. kicker mm-hmm. yeah not, not a def- difficult thing to do but yeah right. overall I think these these contracts like i said i'm curious about the digs restructure but if bean's going to use this for something to upgrade in a position they need an upgrade then absolutely they should not hesitate to attempt that i have to think that Stefan Diggs's contract will be redone in the following offseason. He's going to make $6.3 million, and the next two years, he's going to make $17 million a year based on moving that money. I think the Bills probably got with him and said, let's move this money now. See if we can sign a guy like Richard Sherman or Zach Ertz to win us a Super Bowl. And next year, because he's signed 2022, 2023, he's an unrestricted free agent in 2024. Let's see if next year we can take some of that money, spread it out until 2025 or 2026 and sign Josh Allen. And you and Josh will be together for many years going forward because there's no way they're going to have a 17 – Stefan Diggs is is worth probably $17 million, but if they can get him down to 10 or $12 million and take that money and spread it over the next handful of years, they want to do that. They want to they want to keep him locked up at a slightly lower rate. And Diggs probably wants it because he wants to get paid in the years where he's likely to be less productive. You know, I, I think that the only thing I would add, I'm with with you, Paul, like Zach Ertz is certainly a name and he has a skill set and he has a pedigree of catching footballs. I don't know. I, I heard it put very interestingly on, on WGR this weekend in that, like, I don't know how much better the offense could actually get if you add Zach Ertz. Right. Or even if you they were talking about Julio Jones, 
how much better does the offense actually get if you add one of those two guys? Because the football can only go so many places. And so to me, I might be more inclined to try and upgrade defensively a position like defensive tackle, a position like cornerback, something like that. But clearly the Bills have some sort of move in mind that they freed up Stefan Diggs' money for this year that they think is going to be available to them. And it will be interesting to see which of those moves it is. Ultimately, I'm not going to be mad if they sign. The Bills are in a position this year where, like, I, I think it's fair for them to say we were X number of points or plays or efficiency away from being in the Super Bowl, and we owe it to ourselves to spend that money to get there. And if they think one of these signings of like so-and-so name player who's good for a year or two is worth it, then this is the year to spend like that because they are in a position to do that. Um, there's no way they're jeopardizing Josh Allen money ultimately through the through the next couple of years. You know, you've got guys like, you know, Jerry Hughes is going to come off the books. Starla Tulele is not going to come off the books, but you could probably get out of his contract at this point. Um, stuff like that's going to come off the books, and you're going to be able to sign Josh Allen. I wholly don't blame them for, you know, at least putting themselves in position to to do that this year. Um, I have listeners' questions listed next. Paul, were there listener questions? There were crickets. So if there's a podcast where I am echoing a little more than I should, this is the one to have that happen because yeah. listeners, this podcast will be the three of us. Uh, well, listeners can eat a bag of dicks this week. What can I say? Yeah. you I, And I was a day in advance asking for questions for once. This wasn't even a scramble like three hours before the pod. Like I've, I've, I've done it before. All so. right. Well, I'll ask you one question and I'll, and, and Scott, you can chime in. Should the Sabres trade the number one overall pick? Or should the Sabres draft somebody like Owen Power who might not be ready or willing to play for the team? And I'll start with Paul, and then Scott can go, and then we'll get to 17 games. Keep it, draft, and develop. They keep looking for an organizational savior, and that's all they've been doing for years. Rather than focus on the let's trade this number one pick and get a future savior that we put too much pressure on, eventually force out of town, who's (laughs) going to play elsewhere, why don't we actually use this on a capable player? take two to three years to draft and develop him. And that'll, you know, help him become a good player. Like, I don't know, that kind of worked with a guy I know named Josh Allen, who was right. not pressed in the franchise from day one and was allowed to learn and grow at his own pace, uh, you know, with, without being asked to save the franchise from day one. So that is, as my opinion, I say, I say, uh, keep it. And Scott, you're also welcome to chime in on the devil's pick uh, too. If you want. Yeah. You were allowed to say anything about hockey you want. Um, yeah, no, it's nice to see the Badgers kind of get a little bit better this season, but it was uh, a little right. disappointing shortfall in the uh, Big Ten and NCAA, not even not even getting past the first round. So, mm. um, but uh, yeah, I say the Sabres should should trade it, trade it away, get one of them, get get a couple of those rookies. That's the best way to avoid the pressure, right? Is many saviors, not just one savior. I like that you both are, are, are feeding the idea of like nothing's going to get fixed next year for the Buffalo Sabres and either develop a guy who's going to be really good or spread out the risk. I like I like both of those answers. Um, a weird thing that I'm not sure I like is 17 games in a season um, <laughs> with, a, with a week seven bye. I don't know, because because I keep 
thinking about like what's their record going to be and i i think things like 13 and 3, 12 and 4, 14 and 2 and it's not going to be any of those. It's going to have one more win or loss. I will say the one thing I like is that all these really weird offensive records got set last year in the 16 game season, so we don't have to have the discussion of well Josh Allen had an extra game as compared to Jim Kelly or whatever like no, like or Drew Bud like the the guy threw the fucking football in the 16 game season. I'm excited to see what they can do in 17 games. Um, you know, the regular season goes through January 9th this year. Uh, allow me to mention the highlighted games that Scott, that Paul listed out for me. Um, Kansas City is, I believe, week five it is, October 10th. That's a Sunday night game uh, in Arrowhead. They're going to go to Tennessee on Monday night football the following week. So you got a Sunday followed by a Monday. Uh, the Bills are back on Thanksgiving. They're the evening game against New Orleans. All of these are on the road, by the way. If I have one gripe about this, the Monday night game against New England and then the following Sunday night game against Tampa Bay, everything, all five of those are on the road. So that's my gripe about the primetime schedule is, you know what? Um, and I, I'm wondering if the schedule makers, if I look at these states, right, Missouri, Tennessee, Louisiana, okay, Massachusetts, but then Florida. Four of those five states are states that are basically already or almost certainly going to be uh, a little more relaxed on the capacity standards for attendance than New York State would be necessarily, who at this point is going to insist on vaccinated fans. Um, But five current um five current primetime games 17 game season the extra game of course being the washington football club uh in buffalo i'm gonna turn to scott first because scott is not on the call oh scott's there you're there i don't know why your little name wasn't there but you're there um scott i'm gonna turn to you first let's talk about the schedule let's talk about whether you feel like the bills have been given the dap that they deserve um any concerns about the schedule and, and your general feelings on 17 game football seasons? Yeah, it is. I mean, that is the thing. It's weird because, yeah, the, you have to recalculate a little bit in your head of like what the what the expectation is for the team. Because, yeah, I mean, I looked at the schedule. I mean, yeah, Paul kind of did a good job of, of throwing out the toss ups because really the the Bills have I don't say they have an easy they definitely don't have an easy schedule. I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of mm-hmm. um, good teams on there. Obviously, you're the first place team. You're going to play a first place schedule. Um, so that's that's part of the issue. But, you know, there's still you know, we still have the AFC East. There's going to be some wins there available. I mean, mm-hmm. the, the division's tougher this year. But, uh, you know, we're, we're playing the NFC East as our crossover 17th game, Washington, which is, you know, they're not a terrible team, but certainly a one that you'd be willing to, to play, uh, to play. Um, so, you know, I think, I think honestly, we're going to learn a lot about the, to me, like that first, first game of the year, Sunday, one o'clock home against the Steelers. Like that's, it's going to be a big game. Cause I mean, Roethlisberger is going to be back. There's going to be, um, you know, a lot of energy for the team. A lot of, we'll just be getting through all of the training camp and whatever COVID vaccines, all that other stuff is, um, you know, there's going to be a lot of pressure on the team to come out and perform well in that first game. So I'm going to be interested to see if they come out. And I think they should, I think they should be better than the Steelers, but I still think they're going to, I still think it's a good test at home. 
Um, so if they come out and play well, I, mean, I think that's a good sign for the season. So I think we'll learn a lot about the team those first um, first first two weeks, really first two weeks, really, because then you go out on the road at the Dolphins the next week, which is again, if you're going to sweep the division like we did last year, that's probably going to be one of your tougher games. Um, but yeah, those those late games obviously are going to be tougher. But I think we kind of know on some level, you know, even if you get one or two out of those, as long as you're doing your homework. On the rest of those, another tricky one will be the the Colts game mm-hmm. um, on the on the 21st in November. Um, that'll be the one going into the short week that then leads you to New Orleans. The New Orleans team, obviously, now much different with Drew Brees not not part of the equation. So that that one really should be another win. I mean, yeah, it's to me, it's easy to see how this team can get can get back to can get back to at least 11 or 12 wins. I think they've got a good shot at 13 or 14 wins, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, which is insane to say. Part of that's the 17-game schedule talking, but part of it's just this team didn't have a lot of holes last year. And um, I let me tell you, Scott. Last, together. last week I was in my head trying to remember what the fourth Bills loss was, and they didn't have it. It was I, I kept forgetting that they were 13 and three <laughs> with, with their fourth loss being the AFC Championship game. And so I'm with you because I keep looking at that and I keep thinking. Well, is thirteen and four a good record? I think it feels like it's a good record. Is twelve and five a good record? It feels like it's a good record. Like, you know, twelve wins should usually get you in the division. Like, you should be winning divisions at twelve and thirteen wins. And now you're like, well, what the extra game is that going to cut it? I don't know. It's 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 hard to wrap my head around it. Paul, do you have any any? Um, of course you do. Please have thoughts. Get, share your thoughts, Paul, on the on the expanded schedule in the highlighted parts of the season. Yeah, I was going to make uh, two points you guys have just made. One, we, we forget how tough this is going to be on Scott, the 17 games. That's a 17th wacky schedule uh, item that he has to come up with. Like, there's only a finite number of those, and so Scott's got the pressure uh, on that front. And, yeah, quick, I know. Quick, I have a quick suggestion, which Scott can ignore. Each team can only have 17 players. <laughs> that could work. Well, it's like a little little NFL blitz style, you know, seven on seven. Right, you get to, you get to have a riding hat and electricity powers, but if you if you know the cheat code, of course. Um, but yeah, anyway, go ahead. I'm sorry, go ahead, Paul. I didn't mean to. I did mean to interrupt, but I, I feel bad about it now. So go ahead. If you interrupt, do it with something entertaining. So that mission accomplished. And then yeah, is is ten and seven? Is that the new? 10 and six, or is it the new nine or is it the new nine and seven? Is it like that slightly better than mediocre sneak into the playoffs type record? Or is that the, you've crossed that threshold and are a legitimate uh, team that could make waves in the playoff type contender, you know? So, so that becomes confusing. And then, yes, I wonder about that too. Like 15 wins is not like, wow, but it's, you still lost two during the regular season, you know, teams go 14 and two quite a bit. So, you know, teams have lost two games for, uh, decades and you know it's 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 that means they're a great team it doesn't mean they're like one of the best ever so you know that's going to be something weird to look at yeah on the schedule I do owe one uh apology uh which is I listed the New England game on our schedule the Monday night game as at England that is actually a home game so they did give Buffalo one. okay all right good okay I was bad in and uh transcribing the schedule I agree with Scott. I don't think we can take the Steelers game for granted. It's so easy for us to remember how they looked the second half of the year and how they looked in the second half against the Bills and then how they looked in that playoff game against Cleveland. 
they started really, really well. And then they got bit by some injuries and ineffectiveness. And then Roethlisberger was clearly de- dealing with, you know, a lot more injuries as that season went on. They tend to compile over time. They'll be getting a fresh Steelers team out the gate. That is not a gimme game. Then you've got to go to a Miami team that Scott mentioned has made a ton of improvements. And then it's mm-hmm. on to Fitzpatrick. And then you get to beat the Texans. But after that, then you go on the road multiple night games against the Chiefs and Titans, who are the two teams they went on the road back-to-back with in primetime last year and lost. Those were two of their three regular season losses, and they're only non-Hail Mary losses. So, yeah, it's going to be tough out the gate. The lack of Drew Brees makes the Saints game a little less um, scary, but we don't know. who. Maybe, you know, the Saints going that game could be, uh, you know, 10-3. and three. It's, it's tough to say, and we still have not beaten the Saints since the 1990s, when, you know, Rob Johnson with Pooh Bear Williams in the backfield led the Bills to victory in a meaningless finale. So, you know, there's so much that can 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 happen during the season. I want to say the schedule is easier, tough because we'll find out. I will say I am looking forward to the feature game this year, to being on the road against Brady uh, late in the season, to having a New England Monday night game late in the season, to be on Thanksgiving for the second time in, in three years. Uh, I think this is the right amount of of respect for this team. It's going to be weird for the season to go really four full months now from September 12th to January 9th, and then start the playoffs and have that Super Bowl be now closer to mid-February at this point. So those will those will take some adjusting to me for the season. I will also miss the symmetry of 16 games. It is it made it easy to schedule. Uh, and yeah, I will also think a lot of records are going to fall on the offensive side of the ball that you know, to me, we'll have a little bit of an asterisk by them for a while until they decide this is going to work. Because let's face it, players may well decide for the next CBA screw, we're going back to 16 because our bodies are just taking a a beating right now. So yeah, we'll see how this goes. But, um, you know, I'm I'm looking forward to watching some some football this year with some fans in the stands. Yeah. And we have to make some decisions about if we can even go to games and stuff like that. I'm sort of... um, if you if I had to go tomorrow, I wouldn't go. But I'm excited by the prospect of the idea that maybe by the fall I'll be I'll be in a position to go to a football game because um, I'm excited for that idea. Uh, I am with you guys. There are some when you when you win the division, uh, you get the tougher teams, and and I think that overall I'm happy. I'm personally happy. I'm with you, Paul, that getting the Steelers early is a test. I'm personally happy we're getting the Dolphins early because I'm hopeful that if there's a time to, to get the Dolphins, it's before they fully gelled as a football team. And, you know, they play them week two and week seven, I think. And so, like, I'm, I'm happy to kind of have those guys there. I think the Jets will, you know, I, I am sorry for Trevor Lawrence and all of that nonsense, but... You know, I'm ready for him to be the next Sam Darnold. I don't know what to tell you. Um, on one hand, I don't really think the Patriots – I mean, the Patriots have spent more money. But on the other hand, like, I just don't believe in Cam Newton. But Bill Belichick won a lot of football games, so maybe maybe he knows something I don't. That certainly wouldn't be the first or last time. Um, and I am with you. Uh, the, the favorite thing that you said, Paul, was the um, – if 10 and seven is the new nine and seven or the new 10 and six, because I don't know how to answer that question yet. Um, I don't think they'll go back from a 17 game schedule anytime soon. I think it would take a quite, uh, that's money. That's basically money in everybody's pocket. And so I, I'm, I'm, I, it would, t- it would take a pretty big deal to kind of push them back. But 
Uh, Bills and Beers are uh, are fans of saying that you don't know what the schedule is until halfway, at least halfway through the year, um, if not longer. And I, I tend to agree. I don't know, right? The, the Chiefs, you you fully expect the defending Super Bowl champs to be good, but you know they 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 lose football games too, and you don't know what'll happen on October 10th or October 18th. The Titans are a weird team that are in the mix for Julio Jones, and I don't know. I mean, the 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 Ryan Tannehill regression to the mean honestly can't come fast enough for me. Uh, you know, I hope they keep re, re, you know relying on Derrick Henry and not so much throwing the football because I think if they start to get an identity, they could be a really good football team. And then you know. Anytime Tom Brady's on the schedule, look out. Uh, I wonder if some of these games will get flexed. I think that some of them might end up flexed. I think you might see the Bills more than five times in the prime time. But we are 52 minutes into a summer podcast that apparently nobody had questions for. So it's time for this day in Bills headlines. Um, and also, who's bad take? Um, I've been thinking yes. about a nice segment, Paul, because I was looking through my Bills football cards. Uh, I'm happy to announce I got a 1985 United States Football League Jim Kelly football coming to me. It is not his rookie year, which was 1984, but I'm excited for my first ever USFL card. And I was looking at some of the names of the players from the 70s and 80s, and I thought we could maybe eventually play a game. Was this guy a bill or not? Um, Because there are some names in here that I am... I am convinced I could trick you guys on, but maybe we'll save that for another day. Could you lead us through our two favorite games this day in Bill's headlines and uh, whose bad take? Yeah, I would be glad to. And yeah, there, there was a name in this day in Bill's headlines where if you'd said, was this guy a Bill? I'd be like, no. And I would be wrong. I had not remembered this guy was a Bill. Excellent. So we'll start with, uh, you know, we'll switch it up this week, and I'll start with this day in Bill's headlines, and we'll close with who's bad take. So I only had seven headlines I could dig up. I mentioned the ones about uh, the hit and run. That was, that was of course, Marshawn Lynch uh, and his SUV being impounded. I was going to give a trivia question on the jet racing that it was Marcel Darius being arrested because he was drag racing against who? But I decided not to give it, but I'll ask now. Do you remember who Marcel was drag racing against? It wasn't another Bill, was it? Mario it was another, no, no, but Mario, he might have been there. Uh, no, but speaking of Mario's, it was one. Of, it was Mario's compatriot on the other side of the defensive line. Uh, Mr. Aaron, Jerry. Oh, Jerry Hughes. I'm going to say Aaron Schobel? <laughs> no facts about Aaron Schobel. All right, so go to this day in Bill's headlines. This one you'll get immediately, or it'll take you a minute. Uh, 2019. June 4th, Jim Kelly says Bill is tapping into his knowledge to help Josh Allen. I've been sitting in some meetings with the offense, Kelly, the Pro Football Hall of Famer, told reporters. Me and Coach Dable went through a lot. And blank, of course, being a fellow former University of Miami quarterback and part of the U, I've been in a couple of meetings with him, too. So mm-hmm. what's I think? What? Who would be in the room with Brian Dable and Josh Allen that is a former University of Miami quarterback? Not Jim Kelly. That's, well, he was, but yes, but someone else. Right. Would, I mean, um, from is Georgia. From is Georgia. It wasn't Matt Barkley, was it? Barkley Matt Barkley was, was SC, right? Um, national champion. Ken Dorsey. Ken Dorsey, very good. The Bills quarterback's coach, Ken Dorsey. 
uh, former University of Miami quarterback and two-time NCAA quarterback of the year. All right. 2018, former Bills cornerback Blank wants to become household name with Browns. It says, with Blank in the lineup, the Bills were 8-3. and three. Without him, they were 1-4. and four. What year was this? 2018. All right, so it's way too late to be Dante Whitner, who is a safety, but also in the backfield. Um, He was then subsequently a, I think he was with the Bills twice more in training camp, but he actually never played with them again. And he did the same with the Browns and did with the Bills, which would be very good when he was in there, but be injured much of the time. EJ Gaines? EJ Gaines, very good. All right. All right. This is a tougher one, but I'm hoping the hints will get you there. 2015. Bill's blank will be ready if he gets a chance. I was just extremely happy to go into the game and the score uh, was what it was. But when you're dying to get out there and get the experience, I play every down like it's the Super Bowl. He said Wednesday is the backup quarterback with the Jets. I prepared as if I was a starter every week and my teammates from the Jets know that about me. They know I'm ready to play at a moment's notice. And I felt like I held my own. Uh, however, uh, what this player is most known for as far as a Bill's quote unquote highlight goes is late in the final preseason game against the Lions on September 3rd of 2015. Uh, while trying to break a tackle, he lost track of which direction he was facing, inadvertently threw the ball 20 yards backwards, creating a loose ball situation, saying the Lions up for the game-winning score, and then he was released the next day and would never play in the NFL again. I'll give the hints. I hear silence. He was undrafted by the Jets in 2012 out of Tennessee, and he's part of a big uh, QB family. His dad was the Super Bowl 21 MVP, and his older brother played. Abe's? No, no. Well, it's not McCown. It's not A.K. Empanala, which which would be a Jet that I know. Um, Super Bowl 21. Hold on. MVP quarterback. And his older brother played eight seasons in the NFL and was a starter for a while. So the Super Bowl 21 was the Giants and the Broncos. So it would be Phil's. Was it Chris Sims? Uh, it would be Phil's son and Chris's brother. No one even remembers. Oh. Jimmy, Jimmy Sims. <laughs> uh, you start naming apostles. Paul. Judas. Judas Sims. Judas <laughs> <laughs> On with Matthew and Ben Wright, but we're going to say it's Judas Sims. So, <laughs> Bill's Judas on my mind. <laughs> All right, 2008. This is this one you'll probably need to hint for too. Bill's blank should go to a safe place. It says the smallish linebacker would make a largest secondary member. He's a bit bigger than the team's current safeties in terms of raw size, but not insane. So- Scott. No, great guess. Excellent guess. That is a regular guess. That is one that we've admitted to pass. I took a huge hack at Paul's changeup. I was like, that's a (laughs) fastball. Damn it. All right. Okay. All right. I'm getting out of the box. I'm resetting. Here we go. Literally a Brian Scott teammate. All right. It's 6-2, and this is a 229. He played three seasons with the Bills. He started 14 games in 2007. He recorded two sacks and also had a 38-yard interception return against Tony Romo in the infamous Dallas 
Monday night game, and I lost both my earpieces, so now I've got that. You can hear you guys now. How did you lose your We can hear it. It sounds terrible. It, it, yeah, you, yeah, you sound like you fell down. Literally, they, they just stay in your ear, so I don't know how you could have lost them. I um, have weird ear holes, and I, they don't hold uh, earbuds. <laughs> but that's another pod for another day. That's what she said, right. Um, okay, who who scored the interception against, against Tony Romo? He got 38 yards on his return. We did have George George Wilson scored, and then Chris Kelsey yeah, scored. Okay. I think this guy did not score. He had one of the four interceptions of Romo, uh, and he didn't go in. I'm so mad it's not Brian Scott, because that, that was, like, amazing that I remembered he was even on the team. Um, okay, let's see. Here's a here's a big hint. If it's not delivery... It's DiGiorno? <laughs> but kind of just change one letter. DeBorno? <laughs> Mijorno? Yeah, we don't have all day. It's a June podcast. It's John DeGiorgio. Did you, uh, John, no. We had a nope. guy named nope. John DeGiorgio? Shut nope. your nope. 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 Started an entire year at linebacker. All right. Poor John DeGiorgio. Fake news. All right. Speaking yeah. of guys, well, this is a bad omen because I don't remember this next guy ever being a bill, so... Good luck with you guys on this one. All right. 2003. Bills ease need for speed by signing Raiders blank. The 32-year-old blank posted career highs in catches and touchdowns in 1997. He then followed that season up with a career best 882 yards in 1998. The arrival of Jerry Rice in 2001 and the emergence of third-year man Jerry Porter in 2002 Combined with the fact that Blank does not play special teams, made him a non-entity during the Raiders' AFC Championship season. I will say that I remember the Bills were the team that ended Jerry Rice's catch streak when he that was a Raider. Fun. Yeah, he was, Rice was furious that, that day. He didn't even get well, a target. Order. He should have sucked it up and got open, but he wasn't. I don't tell you. Greatest receiver of all time? Maybe. But, I don't you know. know. Most of the offseason the uh we have not had an nfl season since 1980 that has not included a jerry rice or larry fitzgerald touchdown catch so it's been 40 years uh since that's happened um so this player said i'm real excited to come out here and compete and try to make this team better uh but he was released by the bills on august 26th of 2003 and never played in the nfl again the big hint if you guys remember this he won a gold medal at the Olympics in Barcelona 92 in the 4 by 100 relay so he really was a speedster. I am going to say several time WWFE champion and intercontinental champion Kurt Angle who I do know won a gold medal. Dun 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 It's true. It's damn true. Intensity, integrity and whatever the other I was. <laughs> All right, Scott. Any guess on this one? No, no. I mean, because the the yeah, the wide receivers were fairly stacked that year. Because it was, I think we still had Molds maybe and Price, but then Evans was also there and probably Reed. Yep, Josh Reed is just going into his second season. So, player who did not make the team. Do you remember the name James Jet? James Jet. I remember Joan Jet. Right. They were brother and sister. No, they were not. Not so much. Right. All right. Um, 2002. This one I think will get us back on track. Bills released starting left tackle Blank to reduce payroll. Blank was the last player on the Bills roster who played on any of their uh, the teams that lost four straight Super Bowls from '91. John Fina. There we go. 
Woo! And a nice quote about loving and missing Buffalo, but I won't read it because it's too long. All right, the last headline before we do who's bad take. 1998, Doug Flutie tackles Thursdays at the Square. Now, for context, Thursdays at the Square is an outdoor Buffalo concert that features prominent musicians long after their days are over. So picture watching um, Crash Test Dummies in 1999 or The Offspring in 2005, which I did both of those things at Thursday. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, But it says the Flutie Brothers Band showcased familiar tunes carried by the beat of Buffalo Bills quarterback Doug Flutie, who proudly took his seat behind the drums. Wearing a Michael Pekka Sabres jersey and his Bills hat on backwards, Flutie sang the words to himself. Um, it says Flutie took some of his Bills teammates, uh, busy signing autographs, to join him in the spotlight. Bruce Springsteen has his big man Clarence Clemens. Clemens, we need our own big man, Flutie said, talking massive 6'6", 354-pound offensive tackle Jamie Nails onto the stage where he bashfully sang Dock of the Bay. Other teammates, including blank, blank, and blank, joined in for a slow but enthusiastic rendition of the Bills' shout theme song. I'll give you a hint on these three Bills. One is a fullback, one is a running back, one is a defensive end, and the year is 1998. Okay, Scott, so 1998, all the stars of the early 90s are gone. It's So I'm going to say, now they may have come back. It, it might be Thomas Reed. Davis, I mean, but I don't, I don't think so. Um, Gash? Sam Gash is the fullback. Okay. One for one. You have a Tra- running back. It's been to go. Travis Henry? No, nope. Early. He's early, right? It's too early. Antoine Smith. Antoine Smith. We have the running back. Now we just need the defense back. Uh, not Aaron. Sh- Who's the guy before Aaron Schobel? Yes, it's the guy before him. The Schoen. other white guy oh, who played defensive um, Phil end forever. Phil he's not a white guy. He's, he's, he's not white, but he was a guy who got oh. ten and a half sacks and then went to San Diego like everyone else did. <laughs> Marcellus Wiley. Marcellus Wiley. There you go. Big up, Wiley. Good job. Uh, that was a good the last position? That was it. Yeah, defensive end. Oh, there were just three. Okay, cool. All right, so that was this day in Bill's headlines for June 4th. Now quickly out the who's bad take since we're almost an hour in. Uh, so this is from the classic episode, uh, episode five, Comrade Marcerius and His Running Dog, uh, recorded June 13th, 2012. So that, about is, that, is, that is the first title of the episode that I am truly proud of. <laughs> because it really came from the episode, and it was it was, it was organic. It was organic. Absolutely, Scott. It was weird, and it fit in exactly with what our our genre of podcasting is. Mm-hmm. So, I was about to say, like, I listened to that whole podcast. We were all freaking like hilarious. Like, what happened to us? You know? <laughs> oh like, my god! Well, we're probably we're probably oh, in the room, which helps. So damn funny. I was laughing out loud. I was literally LOLing while listening to that podcast. You know, Paul, if you would do me a favor, because you're in charge of the Twitter account. Tweet that episode out later today. Just say, this is the episode we reference. We think it's really funny. And do it for Throwback Thursday. Throwback Thursday on a Friday. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, throwback. But I, I, would, I, I would like to say that, you know, as being one of the longest running Bills podcasts, we have a great archive for you back to go catalog. through. A back catalog. We'll be doing remasters next year. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Anyway, Maybe. continue. Please, Paul, I, 
continue. And now that I've interrupted you sufficiently. It's good. No, I appreciate the break in talking on these segments. So that works for me. You do get a lot of the back end of the podcast, and I feel bad about that. We'll they, be- say <laughs> that they say that this podcast is second only to Marvel in the available capitalization <laughs> of the back catalog. So there's a lot of gold out there, people. Yeah, we're, we're ahead of do DC, the work. as it turns out. Yes. yes. <laughs> Sorry, Superman. Okay. Uh, so uh, one person, uh, in reference to, the, to Vegas placing the Bills over under its seven wins, said the following. It is frustrating that you make all of the offseason improvements, and that's still the perception. What does Vegas know about this team that we don't? Mm. Uh, wish they would have won seven games the following season. Uh, so that, that was a bad take. That same person, I'll just give a little bonus hint for this person. This person also said, I think we've lost Pol Pot as a listener during the course of the podcast. That can right. only be me. No, I'm sorry. That's that's a, a no, Frank. No. <laughs> yeah, I feel like that's Frank. That's a Frank branded joke. Okay, what's the, what, what other quotes do we, do we have? Any other quotes? Yes, we have. Uh, the second person said, Donald Jones could be the team's number one receiver next year. Uh, he, he was not, of course. Stevie Johnson would catch uh, 79 passes for 1,042 yards in 2012, and uh, Donald Jones was Donald Jones. Uh, the second hint for that person is this person also said, and I have no idea what the context is, he's like a Dominican shortstop. He has no idea how old he is. Ah, that's that, probably that, a reference to – oh, sorry. Go ahead, Scott. I was going to say that that seems like – Paul a little bit, but I could also see it. It could definitely be me too. That's probably a reference to the idea that at the time the Nationals were in a lot of trouble for all the Dominican players they had signed um, who had been lying about their ages because they wanted to get out of, there was like this whole thing about like getting out of the baseball factories and like LeVon Hernandez had lied about his age to get out of there and all that. But that's probably what we were we it would have been a little about. after Raphael Furcal, who who had that same issue when he was right. There. Yes, and it was like, oh, we don't really know how old any of these people are because you know they wanted to escape poverty. <laughs> All right, and the uh, comment from the third person on the podcast: I'm really excited that I saw T.J. Grant catch a nice pass in minicamp the other day. Uh, this person also said Vince Young is a running option is going to be in the equation in 2012. Yeah, you know, I am now more confident that Scott was the second quote because only Paul could bring that level of earnestness to, to Vince Young and or something happening in the Bills off. off yeah, that's, 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 that is true. That is tough. I'm gonna, I'll am gonna, i go the other way just for variety's sake. I'll say number two was Paul and number three was me. Maybe I just fell asleep after. But we all agree that I'm the only one brave enough to bring, to invoke yeah, the name Pol Pot on a podcast. I think that makes the most sense. Yeah. Well, Jay, to be fair, I probably 12 Frank gave no fucks. He was just like, I, whatever. I I probably made the. I think I was the one who. I mean, I started some of the comrade stuff. I think I some of I was somewhere. Oh yes, I don't you were the inspiration for Comrade Darius, right? Because yeah. Anyway, go I, ahead. I, I spelled out his name wrong. Anyway, Paul, go ahead. All right, here we go. Uh, so you have your picks locked in. Uh, the person who said both, and we'll start in the reverse order here. I am really excited that I saw TJ Graham catch a nice pass minicamp the other day and also said Vince Young's Roy Knox is going to be in the equation was Scott. Oh, 
<laughs> Scott. That sounds like it sounded like. Now, Paul, was it? Sar- can you tell if I was sarcastic when I was talking about TJ Graham or not? Genuine. We were all yeah, way off base. That's, that's uh, unfortunate. Oh that's, that's I feel thought. like I feel like saying T- <laughs> Vince Young in the equation is like that's like me running out of gas and I'm trying to transition. My brain's already on to the next point, <laughs> so I'm just kind of like, yeah, I'm, that's about right. Yeah, he's, he'll sorry. be in the equation. Oh my that's God, the thought support. of you, the thought of you being excited about TJ Graham at all is hilarious that's so funny okay all right all right we're going to jump back to the the first one now it is frustrating that you make all the offseason improvements and that's still the perception what does vegas know about this team that we don't the same person who also said i think we've lost pol pot as a listener is oh my god it's paul it's you yes as you said it again i remember it was me all along austin oh (laughs) <laughs> that, is, that is that is a little bit of dry that was, that was in the midst of the comrade marcerius discussion i believe that i came up with that one you know as you said it the second time you said it the the way yeah, you would say the it, intonation it. yeah oh yeah. you bastard yeah. <laughs> oh so, i feel like marty Janetti and i just got kicked through the glass man oh yeah. okay yeah. so what what did i say again Super kicked on the barbershop. Frank, you had the two great quotes, I think, about Donald Jones could be the team's number one receiver next year. <laughs> Jesus. And also the quote about how he's like a Dominican shortstop. He has no idea yeah, how old Well, there you go. That, that, yeah, no, that, that one does fit yeah. me. Okay. Yeah. The, the first one I'm hoping was sarcastic, but I, I assume it wasn't. I assume I was all in on Donald Jones. <laughs> in fairness, I were both, you know, fairly high on Jones as well because he does well, toward the end of 2011 season, he had a great game against the Bengals in that comeback win. So we, we were we were we weren't thinking he was going to be number one, but we were both you know higher on him than any of the three of us had business being. Well, so that- I, I I want to thank Paul because I feel like you know three stars aside, which of course carries the show during the season. Paul, you have really innovated the two best segments of this show mm-hmm. now because I have not laughed so hard on this show probably <laughs> since 2012. <laughs> yes, probably but, since Fred Varsaris and his running dog episode. Yeah, it was all downhill from episode five. What can I say, folks? Yeah. Um, that was fantastic. Please keep doing that because that is, that was excellent. Good pod, good content. That yeah. is great content. And unlike so many other people. You should listen to us, listeners, because we come up with great things like this and then can call back to them. Absolutely. Uh, and we're willing to, because what I was going to say is like, unlike other experts and people, we're willing to go back and say, you know what? We were fucking dead wrong about Donald Jones and TJ Graham. And also, <laughs> we, made this, we, mailed, we made this mildly insensitive joke about Dominican shortstops <laughs> that ultimately doesn't have a place in 2020, but in 2012 made sense in context and we'll own our shit. What can I say? Um, so thank Hashtag you. cancel Frank. Hashtag, sorry guys, this was the last episode of this <laughs> Maybe Whatever next year is over is now, and um, we will be we'll, we will be woke as shit next week. I promise. Um, um, look, I I I will say that you know we 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 a very nice line that I think appeals to a broad base and also. 
We try not to suck. We try to be good people. Uh, so we hope you enjoyed this show. It is June. Uh, it will get even weirder in July if history holds. <laughs> Um, and it won't get cool until long. It won't get football until August. July could be our weirdest episode. So, you know, send in your questions. Schedule. We're going to start wacky schedule. We're going to have no news. We're going to have, it's going to be hot and weird. Um, coronavirus will be around just enough to make us a little weirder. Um, who knows what will happen? We'll find out. Um, but we want you to tune in. We want you to go to MNY Bills and tweet us what we should be talking about in July. Give us your weirdest fucking co- – that's what you should do. If you're listening to this episode, let a friend know that you can tweet us and give us a really oddball weird idea about what we should be talking about. And there's a good chance we're going to talk about it because it's July and it's a football podcast and there's nothing else to talk about. Um, you should go to facebook.com forward slash B Bills, B B I L L S M N Y, and we'll be there. And you can Facebook talk to us. Uh, we're not going to go on any other social media platforms, but you can find us on iTunes, all these other things. Please let us know what to do. We're ready to have some fun and enjoy the, the uh, summer with you. Until next time, thank you so much for listening. This was a really fun podcast, guys. Thanks for, thank you both for being here. Until next time, my name is Frank. I'm Scott. I'm Paul. And my family's home. I got to go. Goodbye. Good night, everyone.